Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that He has in store for you. The rise of social media this last decade shows our desire to have a platform of connection and influence. And yet we find ourselves caught in a cycle where we grasp for our five minutes of fame and strive for recognition. We're more concerned about the people who give us likes rather than the people who actually like us. Why do we settle for sitting on the outskirts when we are called to be more than an echo? We are all influencers. We all have a voice. Do you dare to step out and be? shows a, a whole group, a whole community, a whole culture of all they were doing was existing. They never went beyond existence. And we're in a, a study called Beyond Existence. Uh, well, before we get started, I just want to pull the, pull the audience one second. We know this is a super, super Sunday. How many 49er fans do we have? Raise your hand. All right. God bless both of those hands. And, uh, <laughs> how, many, how many chief fans do we have? All right, a few more. How many people do not have a dog in the fight and just want to see some good commercials? Raise your hand. All right, there you go. That seems like the majority this, uh, this time. Welcome to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. We are really glad you're part of the Crossroads family, and thank you for, uh, for, for being part. Maybe this is your first uh, Sunday watching us and stuff. God bless you guys, and welcome to all those who are faithful people in the house uh, every, every week. You know, we're going to be taking a look in the next, uh, this week and the next couple of weeks at one little part of Scripture that is really, really cool. It's just a story that's, that's you kind of, you could uh, read over, but it's powerful about, you have one person that's just existing, or several, really hundreds, and then you have two people that really go beyond existence. And they're going to give us a seminar on how you, on how you do that. And here's the, the background of this. Is you've got these people called the Philistines. The Philistines were big, bad. They were the hell's angels of their day. They were, Goliath was a Philistine, if that tells you, tells you anything. And they were just bad, bad dudes and dudettes, right? Uh, they, were, they were like the eternal enemies of, uh, of the, the Israelites. They were the, they were, uh, you know, they were the Klingons, if you're Star, uh, Star Trek fans. They were the First Order or the Empire, if you're Star Wars fans. They were 
were, they were plankton, uh, you know, to, to Mr. Krabs. They were, they were Professor Moriarty to, uh, to, to Sherlock Holmes. They, you know, they, they were the, the road, or the wily e. coyote to the roadrunner or the, the red baron to, to Snoopy. They were acne to a, you know, to, to teenagers, right? They're just kind of the immortal enemies of, and they came in and they just, they, they took over and they were mean and they were bad and they were everywhere too. I mean, they truly, they were, they were a huge army that had come in. First of all, they, they had 3,000 chariots, which were basically the tanks in those days. Imagine facing 3,000 chariots and there were 6,000 charioteers and the Bible says that, they, that their, their infantry uh, was more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Now, obviously, that was hyperbole, but it's saying, man, there were, they were everywhere. There were, so many, there were so many of them everywhere. Now, that's on the bad dude side. On the good guy's side, there were only 600 people, only 600 warriors in the, in the Israelite army, and there were only two weapons in the whole army. Uh, Saul had one, the king, and Jonathan had the other. Can you imagine running into battle with no weaponry whatsoever? I guess that could be a sermon in its own right there, uh, couldn't it? But that's what they were facing. Imagine being going through that. But what we're going to take a look at, we're going to take a look at one guy who, uh, who was just existing and two people that weren't. The guy that was just existing, uh, along with the people that were following him, was, was King Saul. He was the king in those days. He was also the, the general of the army. He was the commander-in-chief. He was the person that should be out there fighting the battles, leading his people into to battle. Uh, but instead, the Bible tells us that he was just hanging out under a pomegranate tree with around 600 of his, uh, of his troops. Now, I thought, you know, that, I thought that just bugged me because he wasn't just sitting under the tree. Uh, because sitting would just imply that you're just taking a break before you go and do something else, right? That you're catching your breath before you go into battle. That's what sitting would imply to me. But the word there is, is they were, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's they were remaining. They were staying. They were, they were building a tent there and just hanging out. They were, they were, how about this word? They were settling. That was one of the words. I hate that word, settling. I mean, because settling implies that, that it's, it's not the best, right? I mean, you maybe today you, you want a home-cooked meal, but you're going to settle for, for leftovers. Or, or you, you want the, the gold medal, but you settle for the silver medal. It's, it's less than God's best. It's less than the best that you have in mind for, for yourself. And that's the problem is so many Christians, I believe, in our culture, they settle, they don't go after God's best. They settle for kind of a second place. They settle for, 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 for leftovers. They settle for, for something that is not God's best for, for their life. They stay under the pomegranate tree when God has so much, so much more. Now, ask, let me ask you the question. Why do we settle so oftentimes as believers? We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and but so many times we settle. Why do we do that? If we're honest, sometimes we're afraid, Right? That sometimes we do not get involved, that we do not take a step of faith because we're afraid of the outcome. We're afraid what will happen if we, if we do. You know, I remember going to a camp in Colorado, and the end of the camp, uh, part of the camp was, was horseback riding. And at the end of the camp, we had all this, you know, these, these horseback competitions. And we divided into teams, and they had volunteers in those teams to, to go and be part of that and everything. And man, I wanted to be such a part of that. I wanted to do that. And I chickened out. I did not raise my hand. I did not volunteer. Here's the reason. I didn't want to look stupid in case I made a mistake. 
I didn't want to let my team down. I wanted to know if I had what it took, but man, I wimped out. And there's very few times I can remember doing that in life, but that was one of the, of the times. And you know what? Because I was so afraid of letting my team down, I let my team down because I never got involved. I was so afraid of, of does it, do I have what it takes? I never found out if I had what it took. And, and, and really blowing it wasn't, I didn't go out there and blow it, but I really blew it in my, in my own heart. Because I look back on my life, I can't think of one time that, that, I, that I tried and I blew it that I was ever ashamed of myself. The other times I regret is when I never tried, when I never even took that step, and I never found out how God could use me. I never found out whether I could help the team. Never found out that because I never said, I was afraid and I wimped out. You know, the other thing is some, sometimes is, is we're apathetic. I hate that word too. Because apathetic, you break that down. A means against or not. Path means, means uh, passion. It means literally that we live without passion. How about that? That we, that, that we live without the, 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 the enthusiasm, the zeal, the life that God intends us for to have. I mean, if he is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life, if he wants to live us to live abundant life, then how often, why do we, you know, live without passion? We should be the most passionate people on earth. Every day we should wake up with passion, what God wants to do in us anew, and how God wants to use us in that day, and, and how, what God wants to teach us. We should be people of, of passion. Another thing that we do is sometimes we don't do it because, let me, let's, let's be honest, we're too comfortable. That, think about this, that, that one time, something that, that keeps us and hinders us from, from, from going beyond existence is God's blessings. I mean, think of, think of the times in our, in our life that, that we are passionate for the things of God. And because of that, God has this way of blessing people who are passionate about the things he's passionate about. God has this way of blessing people. And you know what happens a lot of times? That means that we have, once we've been blessed by God, we have more to risk. And what we have more to risk, we have more to lose. And so instead of our motive being we will do anything for the kingdom of God and we will risk all for, for, for God, our, our primary motivation is to keep what we already have and to make sure we're comfortable, make sure we don't risk and don't lose what we have. Isn't that weird how God's blessing can be a hindrance to, to, to stepping out more in faith and in, in obedience to, to God? Another thing is we're, we're voyeurs instead of voyagers. And what I mean by that is we start living our life of viewing other people live that we get our romance from watching The Bachelor or Bachelorette or a Hallmark Channel or something like that. We, get our, we fight our battles that, from, uh, that, that we get that from, from Maximus Emilius or, or watching the movie of, of, uh, of William Wallace or, or MMA or, or we play you know, Call of Duty or we watch NFL, watching somebody else battle on the field and things like that, that we don't even fight our own battle, that, that we never get on the field, we never get on, in the arena. Or something else, we watch other people live an adventure. We watch vlogs, we watch other people on YouTube, we watch other people live, we watch, we watch Survivor, we watch other people live the adventure, and we never live the adventure. But the thing is that God has put inside of us, he's put inside of us that we are not gonna be content just on the sidelines. There's that restlessness. He loves us too much to, to make us where we're content on the, on the sidelines. 
And, and I remember one time that uh, I grew up in Colorado, and, and one of the biggest 10-kilometer uh, races in the, in the country at that time was, was in Boulder, uh, right outside, of virtually two blocks from my house is where it, where it went by, the Boulder Boulder. Somewhere between 20 and 25,000 people ran that at the start, which was a ton in those, in those days. And I remember... <coughs> For the first couple of times going down there and I'm cheering people on and cheering all these thousands of people on. I'm watching some friends run by and I don't know what happened, but something clicked in my heart that day. And it, it, was, it was more than just, this was symbolic of my, of my life. It was, it was feeling, it was like, I'm not gonna, next year, I'm gonna be in the race. But there was something that was symbolic of God doing something and saying, from now on, I don't ever wanna be the person that's just watching people do things. I'm gonna be doing things. I don't want to just be clapping from the outside. I want to be on the inside. I want to be in the arena. I want to be one of the ones that are doing it. I don't want to just hear about other people's testimonies. I want God to be making some testimonies in my, in my own life. I don't want to just hear about other people, how God is, how they're growing in their faith. I want to be growing in my faith, whatever it is. I, want to just be, I don't want to just hear about adventures. I don't want to just hear about romance. I don't want to just hear about the battles that other people are facing. I want to be in the, in the arena doing those, uh, doing those same things. Another thing is we believe we're different and our situation is different. We think, uh, we, we cope with the fact that we're not involved to say, you know, it's just, you know, if it, that's their time of life is different from my time of life. They have more talent, they have more opportunity, they have more time, they have more whatever, and that's, that's great. But, but really, those people could come up with the same excuses, the people that are in the, the arena. But so, uh, so we're not that different from, from them. Another thing is we count on someone else doing something. And this too often to the case that we see a need that needs to be met. We see somebody that needs to be encouraged. We need somebody, we see something that needs, and we go, you know, there's a problem there. Somebody needs to meet that need. And, uh, and I really see, you know, I've been in this a, a while, and I see, you know, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come up and say, somebody needs to do something about. And they fall into two categories, really. There's this category that say, it is my God-given gift to point out all the problems in everybody else and everything else, Right? And then there's other people that say, you know what, I see this problem and I believe God is raising me up to be part of the solution. Now, which one of those do you think God is, uh, is involved in? Do you think God never gives us a gift, just a, a gift of criticism? That's not, that's not a gift of the Spirit. But so when God raises us up, when we see a problem, we see something that needs to be done, we see a, a, a need that needs to be met, the chances are God is wanting us not just to point out the problem, but he wants us to be part of the, of the solution. Another thing is, uh, it, well, listen to this. Well, let's go on with, the, with our two heroes. That's Saul. That's in his life. That all he was doing with 600 other people was sitting under the pomegranate tree, was remaining, was dwelling, was settling under the pomegranate tree. And now we've got two other heroes, and I love these heroes. One of them is Jonathan, who is Saul's son. This is Saul's son, who is really the, he's the, his eldest son, and that means he is the crown prince, that someday he should be king. But something that's beautiful about him is he knows that God is actually raising up his best friend, David, to be the king. And he's saying, I will do everything I can to make sure that you're the king because that's the one, because you're God's, God's chosen. You want to know what friendship is about, read the life of, of Jonathan. But here the other person is Jonathan's armor bearer, this young armor bearer. And he may be young, and we don't even know his name, but, mark, but make no mistake, he is key to this whole story as, uh, as well. And listen to this. So while Saul and his army are under the pomegranate tree, watch what these two dudes do. Uh, starting in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, 
Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. So get the picture. Here's this. The, uh, the whole army is hiding under the pomegranate tree. He sees a problem. He sees a need. And there's a whole outpost that is up on the top of this cliff. And he says, let's, let's put it in the vernacular. He says, let's go pick a fight. Maybe God will do something. Maybe God will use us to make a, a, a difference in, uh, in there. And so three words that separate to me, separate Jonathan and the armor bearer from, from most other people. And that's, he says this, come, let's go. It simply did something. And that's, the, that's one of the key qualities of living. If you want to go beyond existence, here's what you have to do. You've got to do something, right? I mean, the people that you and I admire the most, the people, are the heroes of our faith that are in the Bible, that are around us, the people that we admire the most in life, whatever the life situation is, we don't admire them because they sit under the pomegranate tree. Right? We admire them because they're doing something. Something. And, that's, and the, the people we admire the most, they have a lot of things that aren't in common. They're of different races. They're, they're male and female. They're young and old. They're rich, they're poor. They're whatever it is. There's, there's so much differential of the people that we admire the most and the heroes of our life, the heroes of our faith. But there's one thing they have in common. They did something. They didn't just think about it. They didn't just pray about it. They didn't just think somebody else ought to do it. They did something. They saw something that needed to be done, and they, and they did it. And, and they did it for two things. Sometimes the heroes of our faith did it because God said, go and do this. Moses, let my, uh, go to Pharaoh and let my people go. And that's what Moses did. He responded to God's, God's you know, uh, thing for him. But then there's other times that, that it was people that just go, Somebody ought to do something. There's this need here, and I'm going to meet that need, which is exactly what Jonathan and the armor bearer are doing, but they did, but they did something. And sometimes we have, we have mixed up thinking in this world. And tell me if this is not true, that a lot of times we think that godliness is just avoiding certain things. And really, a, a big portion of what godliness is and what God wants in our life is us doing something, not just avoiding something. And the chance, the real truth is, we just kept our, our life doing something. Chances are, we'd have a lot less time to worry about, you know, doing not doing things that we shouldn't that we shouldn't be doing. And and you know, there's in the in a car you have in an automatic car you have D, which obviously stands for drive. You have R, which stands for reverse. And in between, you have this horrible middle thing called called neutral. And, and most of us who are Christians, we're, we're not in reverse. You wouldn't be here today if you were in reverse. I mean, you wouldn't be that. There's, there's something that is calling you, that's calling you to, to, to more, that's wanting to grow deeper, that's wanting your children to grow deeper. And so you're not in reverse. But too many people aren't really in drive. They're kind of in that neutral place. And they're kind of in a, in a, in a, in a comfort zone, in a, in a something, but never really truly in, uh, involved. And here's, a, a, I think, a clip that is a powerful, powerful clip and, uh, and something that I think is calling all of us to go beyond just simply existing. Now, Mr. Piss. It's a rather unfortunate name. Mr. Piss. Where are you? Mr. Piss, will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. <coughs> to the virgins to make much of time? Yes. That's the one. What appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. 
The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding. Thanks for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. And I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait till it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? Carpe diem, seize the day, boys and girls. Make your life extraordinary. Uh, you know, the Bible says it, says it this way. It says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And here it is. Make the most of every opportunity. You know the weird thing about the opportunities that we have? They look so ordinary. They're like the, the wardrobe and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe in, in Narnia. That it just seems like an ordinary wardrobe but when you step through that all of a sudden that that ordinary things becomes extraordinary and so many of the times as we step through what is seems to be ordinary this this week this month this year that uh, as we take that step some amazing things can can happen you know i was talking to a, a young man this uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was in our our bible study men's bible study and he said you know that we asked you know what do you want to do and he said someday i want god to use me in an amazing way and I pointed out the fact that this young man is somebody that God is using in an extraordinary way every single day in ordinary things. I watched this young man. 
and I watch him uh, love up on and be very nice to, to waitresses and waiters and things. I see him incredibly generous with uh, any, uh, any opportunity ever he has. Anytime he has an opportunity to volunteer for something, I see him, him jump in. I see him at work. He has a Bible study at, at work. He has, he's always inviting people to, uh, to church. There's people here uh, even today because he's invited people. A few weeks ago that I got to lead somebody faith in, in Christ that he had brought to uh, here just with a simple, a simple, a simple, a simple invitation. And sometimes we think it's got to be something extraordinary. And all of a sudden, what we do is just we meet the need when we see it. We, we encourage that person when we see it. We do whatever it takes and, and just be looking out, having our antennas out for something that we can just do and not just sit under the pomegranate tree, but, uh, but, but do. And it's amazing how God can do some amazing things as we do that. Now, listen to, listen to this. There's one word that sticks out of me, the re- what he said. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I'm, I need a better than perhaps, right? If I'm there and I'm the, one of the, the armor bearer and my, the guy that I'm, I'm holding the armor for is telling me that, you know, we're going to basically do a suicide mission and, and perhaps God will show up. I, I'm wanting a little more than perhaps, but that's all that's going on here. But there's a few things that we need to realize that see about Jonathan. And first of all, Jonathan realized that to move beyond existence, you have to accept a life full of uncertainty. These are not in my notes, but I really felt I was supposed to, to say this, that some of your life here today, some of those that are watching online, you're facing an uncertain time. You're facing an uncertain season in your life right now. The good thing is, that's really where God loves to hang out. And so many times, we're afraid of uncertainty. We hate uncertainty. We hate if things are not exactly in a place, and some of you really hate it because you're so, you know, so a type A personality. But God sometimes does, usually does his best work when things are uncertain it's in the chaos of the storm that god shows up when jesus walks on the water when he calms the storm it's when it's when there's five thousand people to feed five thousand men to feed and there's only five loaves and two fish that god shows up and does the miracle it's only when when the person's when lazarus is dead for four days and everything's already gone and 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 all that a person's sick that's when god shows shows up it seems like God loves the, the time of uncertainty because that's when we see how big God is, how strong God is, and how faithful he is. It's not usually when there's everything, puppies and rainbows and unicorns and, and everything like that, that we see how, God, how incredibly strong and awesome God. So for those of you that are facing, and I really feel like there's somebody that's facing an uncertain time this week, that you're facing something, you're going, whoa, it's intimidating to you. I just want to say again that God it sometimes does his best work in the midst of the times that we are the most uncertain uncertain and he was willing to do the right thing without the guarantee of success this one blew me away i mean he, he's just he's just going to do the thing that needs to be done and he's not even guaranteed it's not like god god you promised me that everything is going to work out and then i'll go and do and work work on your behalf uh-uh. he just did it believing that god was going to show up to the perhaps and and you are part of a church that from the very beginning all we've done is perhaps that we've shown that we've we've taken these steps of faith and we continue to take these steps of faith, hoping and believing that perhaps God will show up. We started the church, just our, our, our family. We left a, a big church that was growing and exploding and everything because we thought perhaps God will show up if we, if we start a church in this, uh, in this area. We said, Let, how, about, how about if we were the first church in our denomination that really did full-blown contemporary worship? Perhaps God will, God will show up. 
How about we rent four bays of a warehouse when only, we've only got just a, a few people? Perhaps God will show up. Why don't we build the biggest sanctuary in our entire, in our whole uh, area, uh, and, and perhaps God will, God, will show, God will show up. Let's tithe into missions, giving our first 10% back to God, and perhaps God will show up and bless us with the rest of, uh, of finances. How about let's, let's be constantly reaching out in missions, because perhaps God will show up. How about let's, let's start other campuses around the, the area, and, and how about, how, even though there's a less than 10% chance that any of them will ever get off the ground, and, and let's choose one of them, let's, let's pick a pastor from Australia to do it, how about that? Perhaps God will, will show up. I remember one time when we said, where we, we went to Brazil, and we said, let's take a band to Brazil, and let's rent a semi-truck that turns into a stage and let's do let's do music and drama and preach from from that and let's go into the slums where people never go and let's go into the the parks and things and and perhaps God will show up and man God showed up as we saw thousands of people give their life to to Jesus Christ how about let's go to Africa and let's go to the place where no one's ever been where they've never heard the name of Jesus ever and yeah it's dangerous but perhaps God will show up and we've seen again thousands upon thousands of people receive Christ and churches being planted in areas because God truly did show up and I mean I think about what we saw just as, as people said you know what how about let's go do a mission a medical mission to Colombia perhaps God will show up how about let's go to Kenya and let's pr let's let's pray and things in the middle of the slums perhaps God will show up let's go to Romania and let's let's why don't we start something for elder orphans that are that are there perhaps God will will show up and and you know even just I, I love just seeing people that that this today that they came up and that this is exactly what they did they've taken steps of faith and so many of you this is what you do you take that step of faith you do what needs to be done this is a church full of people that take the step of faith and do what needs to be done and God shows up in your life God shows up in your family and God shows up in ways that you never dreamed possible simply because you dream you believe that God could show up and here's one of my favorite new verses first he says let's go do something let's go get them and even though the situation is uncertain we're going to act we act maybe God will show up and then he says this nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few some of you need to hear that today the God that the odds are not God doesn't care about the odds against you God doesn't care about what's what what's stacked up against you God's bigger than those odds and that's one thing that Jonathan knew watch this first he had unwavering confidence in God's character and power he just goes, you know what? I really believe if we take this step of faith, God's gonna take a step of faith with us. I love this story about the little girl that the, her friend comes up and says, how much money do you have? And she said, I have 10 cents. And she said, let me see it. I want 10 pennies. And she showed her five pennies. And she said, that's only five pennies. I thought you said you had 10. I said, my dad promised me that he was gonna give me five more tonight, so I have 10 pennies. And I thought, I just wish I had that kind of faith of going, no, if God said something, I'm so believing it that it's almost, that I already believe it's in my, it's in my possession. And then he goes this, two things that, that Jonathan understood. The first, the odds are irrelevant to God. The odds are irrelevant to God. In fact, God will go out of his way to stack the odds against him. Somebody said this to me, and maybe it's going to reach you, but I've never forgotten this, that God can win any hand with a pair of twos, Right? And I want you to know, in your life, God can win any hand with a pair of twos. It doesn't even matter. And the other thing is that uh, the God plus anybody equals a majority. In Saul's thinking, him, his 600 people, and two swords equals annihilation. In Jonathan's thinking, because he knew the character and the power of God, he said, two people, one sword, plus God equals victory. And you don't even need the two swords. And all of God can use one person to change the, change the world. 
And um, he discovered that something, sometimes God will allow uh, the uns, uh, uncertainty in our situation to increase before it decreases. That's exactly what happened here. Listen to this. He says, uh, the armor bearer said this, do all you have in your mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Man, for a million more people like that. Jonathan said, come then. We will cross over towards the men and let them see us. And I'm going this, I'm hearing this. What stupid military strategy is this? The only thing you have going for you is the element of surprise. And he's going to go, all right, let's go out and go, yoo-hoo, boys, over here, woo, over here. And that's, but that's exactly what they, they, they do. And then he says this, if they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay there. We are not going to go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. I don't know about you, I may need a bigger sign than that. You know, if I'm going to go up and risk my life bigger than just one little thing. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. Said, uh, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, that's it. Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. Now again, horrible military strategy. The, other, the opposition has the high ground. It's so steep that they're having to use their hands and feet. And when you're having to use your hands and feet and the enemy's above you and you're not surprising them, they, they can do some bad things to you. And things got worse before they got better. But also this, what requires great faith today may become commonplace tomorrow. Maybe you've been in school one time with a math and, and maybe in high school or college and the, the professor gave you a, a, you know, a, a, tough, a tough equation to work out. Or maybe it's, you, you like video games and there was this level that was just kicking your tail. And then, but, then, but then you do it and all of a sudden you're over here and you go, wait a second, now this is, this is where I am. And that level is so easy and that equation was so easy and now you're overwhelmed by this one. And then, but a few months from now you're gonna look back at that and go, that was nothing, man. This is now the things. And God has this way of sometimes going, making things cha more challenging, more challenging. So we, not because he doesn't like us, but because he loves us. Because what was, he wants to take us from glory to glory. And what was challenging one time isn't now. And he wants to constantly be increasing our faith. And sometimes we just stay in this level instead of go to the next level with God. And yet, because it's intimidating, this level. And God's saying, no, you just keep doing it. You be faithful here and you watch. Because in a few months, that'll be nothing to you. I remember one time that I was in, uh, in, in, in college and uh, I had just become a Christian. And I went to a Christian university my, the, and, and they said this, they said, you know, we need some volunteers to help for, we have concerts and things constantly here. And, and uh, for people that receive Christ, we want some people that'll be there and be, be counsel them as they, they come in. And, and, and I thought, you know what, I'll sign up. I'll take that step of faith. I was totally intimidated, didn't want to do that. And I showed up the first time going, God, okay, I'm here, but man, I don't want to be here. I mean, this, let, it, let everybody be taken, okay? And, and sure enough, everybody was taken. The next time I come in a few months later and I say, God, this time I want to be part of it. I'm not, I'm not only here, I want, I want you to use me here today. And I was able to lead somebody to, to, to faith in, in Jesus Christ. And something happened in my heart as I did that, as I took that step. And even in the next, next six months or year, God did so much in me and through me. The man, the next time I walked at the end, it was like, I felt like everybody else can go home. I'm good, man. Everybody else, because just God, I knew God could use me in that way. Just because taking steps of faith in the middle of intimidation. And here's two things that I want us to, to know is this. First, two things you can bank on in life. 
Our actions of faith have a way of affecting the heart of God. When you take that step of faith, whatever that is, when you meet the need that needs to be met, when you encourage the person, when you do whatever it is that, you, that needs to be done, God has this way of showing up in the middle of that, and that's something we're gonna see in the next couple weeks. Next week, don't miss next week, because it's gonna be talking about something that's so powerful, and that's in the, the power of influence, because you're an influencer, whether you know it or not. And I've asked dozens of you, who are the biggest influences in your life? And it's, uh, it's so impacted the things you said, of some of the people you, you, you said, and, and I wanna share that with, with everybody. The other thing is, if we wait for guarantees, you'll, uh, you'll miss endless divine opportunities. If you're waiting until you have all the answers to share your faith, you're never going to share your faith. If you're going to uh, wait until you're just the most talented, gifted person to ever get in, or never, or you know you're not going to blow it to ever get involved in the ministry, you're never going to get involved in ministry. If I waited until I felt worthy to ever stand before you or felt like I had my act together to stand before you, I would never preach another sermon before you. You do what you need to do at the time. You, if you're waiting for guarantees, you'll miss out on, on, on opportunities. And here's what I want us to do, just to realize, if you see a need, meet the need tomorrow and this week. If you see somebody that needs to be encouraged, encourage them. If you see something that needs to be done, volunteer. No longer that we just sit under the pomegranate tree, languishing in our life, remaining there, settling in our life. That we see that, and we're more like Jonathan and, and, and his armor bearer, that we see the need and we meet the need and watch what God can do to change what seems to be an ordinary situation and he can use you in extraordinary ways. Seize the day because there's no telling what God can do. Take opportunities for what we have. Amen. You know, church and Pastor Lowell's message, he, uh, one of the things he said was one of the key qualities to living beyond existence is simply to do something. And of course, he, he talked about Jonathan and his armor bearer, armor bearer, and Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go. Lowell said he simply acted on the fact that something needed to be done, and Jonathan did something. First of all, I want you guys to know we're so grateful to belong to a church full of lots of doers, people who see something that just needs to be done in Jesus' name and just go and do it. I think if we're being honest, there are many, many more of us that... Um, on a daily or weekly basis intend to do something for God and just either struggle with the faith to do that or the courage or boldness to do it or, or for some of us just the time to do those things that we feel inclined to do in Jesus' name. So Mike mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, we want to issue sort of a specific calling, a specific challenge for uh, you guys as a church um, this week and in the weeks to come. And um, Lee's going to give us some instructions about that in just a minute, but I want to read Matthew 10, 42, just says, if, you've, if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And so our challenge is going to include this, guys. This week, anything that you guys do in Jesus' name, whether it's send a text message to a hurting friend or, or, or co-worker or family member, whether it's visiting somebody in the hospital, whether it's just buying a cup of coffee for somebody in the, in the line of Starbucks behind you. Just any countless ways that you can think to just simply be the body of Christ, to just share your faith, to just do something in the name of Jesus. We want to challenge you guys to, uh, to do that. We know that lots of people in our church family have numerous uh, social media platforms, and so Lee's going to give us some instructions on how we can, we can leverage those this week to sort of tout the fact that we're doing things in Jesus' name. And I just want to encourage you guys to, to do this challenge for two reasons. One, I want, you to, I want you to do it so that we can all be mutually encouraged as the body of Christ and inspired to do some of those same things. 
um, but I also, we just want to just celebrate those things. If, you're, if you've done that um, this week or doing that this week, we want to just celebrate that with you. So Lee's going to give us some instructions on what we're asking you to do. I love this challenge because one of the reasons that I go to social media is because I want to read about milestones and positive things that are happening in, in my community. So the best way to do that is for us to make that an impact. So if behind on the screen here, we're calling it hashtag social challenge. Small fun fact about that, when we looked up that hashtag, that's an actual trending hashtag right now. And so what we would love to do is have each one of you and those in our community to see about all the good things that God is doing in our lives and small ways that we can be the light. So if you will do that, if you go to, you want to do any type of way that you can um, bless somebody, like you mentioned, you can do that and you hashtag it. And then if you will tag our church, because we all want to read about it. I love to read about your life and your moments. So if you will do those two things, we put both of our social media um, threads for Facebook and Instagram, because those are the most popular that we have here. And then we want to see what you're doing. So, and also look forward to some of our staff members. We're going to be doing that as well. So we're doing it with you and we'll see how God shows up in that. Yeah. All right. Challenge issued, you guys. So you guys go in the peace of Jesus Christ and happy doing this week in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.